Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Feeding Curiosity. I'm your host, Eric Wenzel, as always. In today's episode, you've already seen the title, but we're doing another film deep dive on The Whale. This is written by Samuel D. Hunter, directed by Darren Aronofsky, and stars Brendan Fraser. This movie is an emotional roller coaster. We are joined on this conversation with Joe Joukowsky and Jordan Chris, as always, when it comes to film deep dives. And we basically kept it as raw as possible in approaching this movie. And it ended up being amazing, I think. This film itself, I think, is something that maybe not is mainstream, but if you like depth and you like nuance and you're enjoying not only my podcast, but other podcasts like this, I think you'll find a lot of value in the movie if you haven't watched it yet. That being said, I think it is also very much worth going to watch it in a theater. Just as a few other additional things here is Brendan Fraser was nominated for a Critics' Choice Award shortly after recording of this, or nominated and won it, I should say. And it's awesome. I think it was just so well-received. And if you check the description of this video or the website, I will have a link to his acceptance speech because it's so raw and real. And I think it shows just how much this role meant to him and why I think it hits an emotional high note. In this discussion, it's what is this film? Is it, a, is it something to be happy or inspired by? Or is it something that is a tragedy? I think it's going to be different for everybody, but it's somewhere in the middle. But I think at the very, very least, it's something that I think really impacted Brendan Fraser, and he really gives it his all um, in this entire performance. Quick thing, right before I was about to hit uh, export on this video, I went on my run, and I had a thought, and I forgot to put it in this intro because I think it's really important before I kick it off to the main discussion. But we really kind of circled the core theme of what we thought this movie was. And we basically came to the conclusion that this was all about being honest. And not being honest in like a bubblegummy way or in a way that it, it's, it has to be real and really like in your heart. I just wanted to push this to everybody because I think it's super important. But say the honest thing. And it doesn't have to be in like a comment on this video or anything like that. In your life, in a relationship that matters to you, I know there's something you need to say to somebody that maybe you think they know what you feel or what you think, but they need to hear it and you haven't said it. And so I really just want to push everybody who listens to this to be honest, not only with themselves, but someone that matters to them. And if we can all take the lesson about being as honest as we possibly can with ourselves and each other, then we can make a better world. And so with that, please enjoy this deep dive into the whale. All right. So, well, I guess welcome everyone to Feeding Curiosity. This is the first recording of 2023. Um, and this one, we're going to be back on our, our kick of film deep dives. And this movie came out at the end of the year, but it's The Whale, uh, starring Brandon Frazier, directed by uh, Darren Aronofsky. Um, and I think, Jordan, you were the one who kind of mentioned this one or like had heard about it probably like fallish of um i'm gonna say october or so but it was kind of like one of those movies that kind of lived under the, ra the radar of like the mainstream film genre and then it was like kind of the artisanal branch of the film world had kind of picked up on this movie as being something to watch out for and so it finally released late december and we've all since seen it and just wanted to talk about it so we've been saving 
any of our thoughts until this moment. Yeah, it was, um, I think Ben was the one who initially mentioned it, um, our buddy Ben. And then I looked, saw the trailer and I'm like, oh, Brendan Fraser's, haven't heard his name in a while. Right. That's, that's interesting. Um, and then seeing, for me initially, I guess just talking about initial, um, like speculation and, and like excitement and mystique was that I had thought like, oh, did he really gain all that weight? But obviously, he hadn't, oh, hadn't yeah. seen the images of the prosthetics yet. And I was like, oh, that's, is that like semi-biographical or something? I was just curious. So I, that led, I I'm speaking for myself, but I would assume other people that probably led to the, you know, the lore of this movie initially. Yeah, that's a good point. Because, I, I mean, the, honestly, the, the prosthetic work they did for this film is so good. Like, I wouldn't even have guessed that, like... If you would ask me who's prosthetics, I could probably say, yeah, probably, just because of the health consequences of someone getting that big. But, like, um, it still it looks like it's kind of incredibly well done just in capturing the essence of what it is to be, like, to live that kind of life, right? They're kind of going into the film a little bit. Um, and it's... I was really surprised with the type of film that it was. Like, I saw a couple trailers, and I had the sense that it was going to be incredibly emotional and kind of like a drama, but I wasn't expecting it to be quite what it was like it was more of what i thought if that makes sense yeah like the volume was turned up yeah like it like it took the idea that it was kind of going for at least what i thought it was going for and kind of like cranked it up to like 11 or 12 and then was like yeah deal with it yeah yeah that was an emotional ride yeah. do we want to get like into the like non-spoilery sections of like thoughts slash like a simple rating of what we thought for and like, what type of person sees this film? Because I'm not sure. Like, like this is a film for everybody. I would like it to be a film for everybody, but I don't know if it. It'll, I don't know if it's a film that's mainstream enough to, for everyone to really enjoy it. I think that, um, yeah, it's pro it's definitely an Oscar film. Mm -hmm. Unless you're into cinema, then this, this isn't going to really be for you. Um, but if you are into kind of art house films, smaller films, then this might be it. It, it, it takes place in one room effectively yeah. the whole time. So it's all about the characters. It's sort of claustrophobic in that way. You're, you're stuck with this guy and his life and you have about the same mobility as he does. And then you only ever see the part of <laughs> the parts of the apartment, even that uh, he really ever goes into. And yeah, so you're kind of stuck in the life with him in that way, um, which makes it intimate. It's a forced intimacy that you get to see everything that he does. Uh, I think that maybe my first impression was that I had a handful of emotions throughout the whole film when I saw it. I thought, this is interesting. These characters, I was immediately caught by some of the acting. I think that Brandon Frazier did unbelievable. I thought he did fantastic. Oh, yeah. He did fantastic. And in that's like, been kind of like the selling point of like the entire film. Everyone's just been up talking his performance. And that was kind of what really excited me. Because yeah, I'd say that that <laughs> being the draw and why you should stick around for it. Because there, there's other mm -hmm. parts of the film that I didn't care for that we can get into later. But the reason that I would give this like an A plus, go for it, 
and recommend somebody watch it isn't so much for like the plot points, but more so to see him do what he does. Because I thought that was pretty remarkable. Yeah. I feel like for sure the standout part of this entire experience was his performance, like for sure. Um, and the acting as a whole, I feel like Aronofsky in all of his films, he, I don't know what it is. He has this like knack to pull out the best of all his actors. And movies are weird, right? I don't know if you guys have seen a lot of them, but like Requiem for a Dream was yeah. intense that last. He also did The Fountainhead, I think it's called too, with uh, Hugh Jackman. That's very strange. Oh yeah, the the fountain. I think it's called. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know why. Black Swan was that him? Yes, Black Swan. Yeah, so this fits right into his like filmography. Yeah, <laughs> even it's weird because this one feels the least like one of his movies out of all the ones I've seen. That's true. Um, <laughs> Phil has those elements, right? But just the way he can bring out these emotions out of people is that I don't, I don't really get it. How it's like every single time. Um, but yeah, I guess uh, emotional. It is probably the best word I can use. Yeah. It's just like this roller coaster of like despair and then like hints of optimism back to despair, back to this is like taking you like yeah. on like of who this guy was and how he was living, but he remained still like seeing the best in people in a sense. Um I don't know. Um I, I Joe, I agree with you when it's like there's some parts that's like okay terms of plot that's like sure maybe could have been done differently or something like that maybe but i think for what it's worth i would recommend this to everyone um that isn't to say i think everyone will love it i think everyone should see it i think that's cool uh, yeah I, I i agree with both of your points i think too the the uh, like on the emotional roller coaster aspect, like the way I th saw it was kind of like it was this story about like at a, at a human level of like how we go through life and deal with the things that happen to us that we wish didn't happen to us, right? Like the traumas or the just the bad experiences, and then we respond to them and don't realize how they like hurt either ourselves or others, and then we get like trapped in that like loop or that pattern of of behavior, and then at some point that pattern breaks, but we've gotten we've gone so far that we don't see a way out of it. And so we just like double down into our mistakes and say, well, I'm just a trash. And it was kind of like this person trying to like almost have like a redemption arc without enough time, without enough runway. Yeah, it, there's definitely that. It is a strange movie. I, I was, I was in some ways I was, uh, disappointed with the way they set things up. And in another way, um, I was very excited about it. So <laughs> the way in the, the disappointments will explain why I was excited about it. <laughs> the disappointing thing was that, so they're setting up the plot and we're getting into spoiler territory now. Um, they're setting up the plot and, um, that you find out that uh, he is a gay man who left his wife. Um, to pursue a relationship with a man that he met. Um, there's some controversy about that with the, the, the in that the man that he uh, uh, ended up being with was a student of his, not young, an adult student. This wasn't, um, you know, yeah, he's a college, like a community college professor or something like that. Yeah. And his student was, I think, in a, like a taking night classes or something as a grown adult. So this wasn't like 
an 18 year old. Yeah. Um, but one of the things the movie does well is uh, introduce something that you're meant to judge immediately and define uncomfortable and then slowly flesh it out a little bit so you can get to understand what was going on. And then you kind of relax a little bit and you go, like, it's like he was sleeping with this student. What the fuck? And then kind of, okay. Oh, and then you get some context. And you're like, oh, all right. Okay. Fair enough. You can kind of relax a bit. Um, but the thing that sort of uh, initially bothered me um, was that it was that it's like, okay, this is predictable um, given today's climate. It's like you have to make him um, – because I, all I knew about it was that uh, this was a guy who's trying to reconnect with his daughter, so I wasn't totally sure what was going to go on there. But then yeah. they, they made him a gay man, which caught me off guard just because of the fact that he has a daughter, so I wasn't seeing that coming, um, which is fine. But it, to some degree, it felt like, oh, yeah, he has to be a gay man because if he's a straight man who's fat and overweight, and all these things, then he's just an incel. And then, and then there's no sympathy being derived from the audience. So I was a little, this isn't really a critique of the movie, actually. In some sense, it's a critique of um, what the movie has to do or what the movie thinks that it has to do in order to elicit sympathy from its audience. And so in so, to some degree, I think that I'm disappointed with the audience <laughs> that you have to sort of get, hit something on a, a checklist of identities in order to, um, uh, illicit sympathy, um, nowadays. So I'd say that that was a plot piece that I was like, oh boy, okay. Um, but it has nothing to do with the fact that he's gay. It has everything to do with the fact that, that it's as if they have to play into that some sort of expectation here, or that they feel that they have to play into that expectation in order to get the desired effect. And that was a little like strange. Um, but the thing that they did that I liked, so you could imagine if they were going fully in that direction, what they would do then is then have the character whose identity you're meant to sympathize with, or the identity itself is supposed to elicit some sympathy, um, that they would make that person, uh, they would, they would do, they would kind of glorify it, not glorify it. It's like, um, idealize it or make them perfect or whatever that this is just the perfect person who's deserving of all your sympathy. Um, but they totally didn't do that at all, right? They didn't do a Mary Sue, right? They, they didn't make some character that's perfect as a result of some characteristic that they have, right? What they had, he was a complicated character who made serious mistakes and who in many ways was totally not worthy of your sympathy, who, who was a real shitty person to his daughter at the very least. And uh, made some dumb mistakes and you get to watch how they play out and he suffers the consequences of those things. So it's like, we're leaning, it's like, we're leaning to the left and I'm like, oh man, are we going to go that direction? And then just like I was expecting us to go in a particular direction with, um, just like initially I'm shocked by the fact that he slept with his student. Suddenly we turn and then you get more context and you get more understanding and, oh, Okay. It reminds me a little bit of a really good comedian who can walk you right ah. where you think you're about to go, where you're, where you're like, what the fuck is this about? And then they bang and they hit you with a right hook and you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> it's like, oh, man, I didn't know that's where we were going. And they do that throughout this movie constantly. So it's like even where in the places where I'm like, oh, man, is this going to be an ideological thing? They turn into it 
and they they go in a place where I was grateful that they didn't go, which was just be like, everything is, you know, you should just feel bad for him because he's gay and gay people have it worse than you. It was in that he's just a perfect person. If it wasn't for society treating him like shit, then he never would have turned out this way. It was, oh, no, no, the society was giving him troubles and he made a bunch of mistakes and he's suffering the consequences of those mistakes and so on, right? So it's more sophisticated than just a simple ideological tale. And so that's all to say that, that <laughs> the complaints that I had or the things that I didn't care for in the plot and the way they set up the movie were largely ameliorated by the things that excited me about the plot. Yeah, that, uh, that made sense. I, um, I guess with that initial um, shock you had, when, you know, th that same thing came up for me, I was like, you know, cause the, and the scene that opens is this, this missionary or this guy who turns out to be a fake missionary, you know what I mean? Or puts yeah. on this persona to this, yeah, yeah, yeah. this storyline, we can get into that later. But, um, I was like, oh, this is interesting because it's put, it's like direct conflict inception. And you almost yeah. think it's like, is a religion first, you know, you know, versus being homosexual or something like that. And, and then this guy happens to be severely overweight. And then as the story unfolds, it's like, okay, this isn't really what the movie's about, but it's there. I mean, it's something that he's right. expecting. Um, well, I felt that I liked that added element. Um, and because without being so in your face, right. About like love is love type thing, but like it shows you the dark side of that same idea. Where in the sense where you, when you hear love is love, you think it's, you know, talking about the LGBTQ community and things like that, right? Like that's the, the slogan and stuff. What I thought this did, it had that element, but also he was not in love with his wife and he had a child, had a family, right? But he found someone that he truly loved and then made mistakes following that love. You know what I mean? But at the end of the day, he was like, I loved him. What was I supposed to do? Right. So I thought it was really powerful because it's like, oh, love is love. But like, you can do some shitty things for love. But like, mm. if in that position, you're like a man, professor, he clearly had insecurities even before the incessant weight gain came up. Um, who are we to judge what someone you know, should or shouldn't do in search for that feeling. At the end of the day, that's what we all want. Um, so that was interesting, but I, I did, I, I get what you're saying when it was like, they kind of look like they're steering you one way and then it's like, <laughs> oh, go on this way. And then it's like, it really, you know, teeters on the edge of a lot of different things. Yeah. Which is how life does. works, right? Like life, there's a lot of things that come up. Yeah. Um, and then it can turn unexpectedly. So then also interplaying that with religion kind of, it, it paints a more complex picture of like, instead of just the one dimensional that normally gets portrayed in some of these situations to either highlight or denigrate whatever aspect of it. Um, and I think it just ends up giving you a way more complex view of like what it means to be a human. And I think that's really what I enjoyed about this film categorically, because it doesn't just say like religion equals bad or, you know, being anything other than straight equals bad or good or whatever. It's, it's just like people are complex and we live complex lives and we're going to make mistakes the more we interact with other people. I mean, I think even with the scene where he gets confronted with his wife is really, was really like touching because he gets to, you get to see that even, even though they have all their problems, they still had like a tiny little spark 
in their interaction. Like there's something in there that they still could have worked had they been honest with each other or something. Like, or at least that's the way the impression I got out of it. Um, because it felt like, cause like there was a point where like when she puts her, like, she's like, can I listen? And she's like listening to his heartbeat or, or I think that's what it was. And they kind of like had this really touching moment where they're finally like close to each other for like probably the first time in, I don't know, what is it? 10 years. I think they said, um, and she, she kind of like sinks into the moment and like, then she snaps out of it and is like, wait, what the hell am I doing? Like, I'm, I'm falling for it all over again, you know? <laughs> and it's, it's like, that's kind of like what hum, like being a human is. It's like, you get lost in, in the things you feel sometimes and you can't think clearly or, or think how it might affect other people. Yeah, they had this, this, they did, they would do that on multiple occasions. The, the whole thing, it really seemed to me that the, whoever wrote this was very conscious of how they can play with the audience. The whole thing, like there's the scene where he's confronted. Um, it's the very, it's the very end when he just started eating like crazy. He f hits another depressive moment. And says, fuck it. And starts like, I'm out. And just starts stuffing his face. And that was disgusting. It is a mm -hmm. disgusting thing to watch. It's gross. And it's just, it's greasy. And it's slovenly. And you're not meant to enjoy this. Right? It's like there's a part of you that might even feel guilty. And then you're like, am I supposed to like find him gross right now? And be judging him in this way? And yet you do. <laughs> like you want to feel bad, but you can't because you're like, right. why, what are you doing? Stop it. Like you want to do you everything might, in your power. <laughs> like you might not be able to come up with a rational justification for why you're disgusted with this or with him. And then, and yet you still are and, and feel right too. And then, um, after it activates that, after you're disgusted, then they bring in the pseudo missionary to immediately um, uh, start trying to save his soul again. And they, they have the, the missionary admit that he's disgusted with the main character. And so they force you in some sense into the same disposition as the antagonist of that scene so that you can one, empathize with the antagonist and then two, ask yourself why it is that this disgusts you. It's, it's a very, I was like, this is a very clever bit of filmmaking. <laughs> yeah. I love that's the layers. That's I love the layers in that moment specifically because yeah. we're sitting there, we're like, oh no, does he, you have the epithet already that's already pre-established with, um, terrible, I forget his name, protagonist name, Brendan Fraser's character in the movie, they already have the epithet established. So when that scene comes up, that's effectively the climax, right? When that scene comes up, it's already there. So you see him doing that and it, it is gross, right? And that's all you can think is, like, oh man. And like, if you're eating, Joe, I remember you saying, like, I think you're eating popcorn or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just instantly were like, oh, I don't want this anymore. <laughs> it's like, makes you uncomfortable and subjectively, it's gross. But like, you have the empathy there. So you don't want to admit that to yourself. You're just sitting in, yeah. the, in your own head and you're like battling with that. Here comes a mission. And it's, he's in the same place. No, no, you're not gross. And he's forced to say, yeah, he's like, yells it, like finally admits it. You're gross. But at the same <laughs> time that happens, the Brandon Fraser's character, the whole time had been wanting people to be honest, right? 
and yeah. just say the truth. So it's almost, you know, when his daughter, just a couple of scenes before that, um, when, when his ex-wife is there, she was like, oh, you should see what she did to you and shows him this image on Facebook, his daughter posted of him and I forgot exactly what she said, but she was basically, you know, ridiculing him, right? Publicly on social media. And he was just like, well, she's not wrong. <laughs> like it's just yeah. the honesty. But then the layer underneath that, it's like he's doing this to himself to like subvert his own um, insecurities and things. But then it's like, if I am objectively disgusting and people are honest with me, I am disgusting. I can't deny it. And that's easier thing to take in than if you are doing your best and then people still see the worst in you. So it's like, just buy into the fact that I am my flaws and people can see it. And they're going to tell me the yeah. truth. You know what I mean? Um, so I feel like just the layers that were there, I was like, that's just heavy. Because he's doing them to himself. He knows it's not the right thing to do. He feels bad about himself. But he wants, he doesn't want people to think that. But if he buys into it, then he knows it's the truth and he can't deny it. You know, it's just like cycle. Yeah, that's that's insightful. That Yeah. And it's like, there's like one of the pieces of that is it's, it's almost like he doesn't want, he's asking for honesty because he in some sense can't be honest with himself. Yep. Like he knows what he's doing to himself, but he doesn't want to like acknowledge this thing exactly. He know he doesn't want to see what he's done to himself, but it's like, he can't help it until of course he finally turns on the webcam. Right. And then accepts the fact that of who he is, what's going on and what he's done to himself and all of these things. It's too little too late, which is part of the, why it's, it is sort of a tragic story, but it's not fully a tragedy, <laughs> but it's, you're right. The, the, it's almost like the call to action throughout the whole film really is just to be honest, even if what you're saying, you know, is something you shouldn't say. Like if you're being Freudian, the superego is telling you, don't fucking say that. You can't tell somebody that they're gross <laughs> or, or if you're going to do it, then you have to have some sophisticated rationalization for why you're right about this thing in order to justify it. But it's all bullshit on top of the simple reality that that's fucking gross, dude. <laughs> it's like, well, stop stuffing your face. <laughs> and that that's in some sense, it's okay. It's not that it's neither here nor there that you have that subjective reaction to this thing. Um, what matters is whether or not you can just be real with people and what you do from there. But this kind of bullshitting that everybody's doing throughout the whole film is just like, it's a relief. It's often a relief when people are, are for him, at least the main character, when they just say it. It's like, just say what you mean. You don't like, I, I don't care if you like, it's a rude thing to say to me ostensibly, just fucking say it. Cause at least it's real. Right. Cause he's like, everyone in this world says the thing that they, that the other person thinks they want to hear, not what they actually mean inside themselves, you know, like, cause it kind of goes with the whole, like under the other undertone. I mean, how many layers are in this goddamn film? <laughs> because he's a literary professor who, who grades papers and essays, um, for his students online. And it kind of starts where, with his love of writing. And he has a passage, I think that's, uh, it sounds like a book report from on Moby Dick. Um, that his daughter had written. But we don't know that for the entire film until the very end. Yeah. Um, which makes it even more like 
like special toward toward the end because you're like, oh my god, because he's like, it's the best thing I've ever heard written. And then it's like this entire time he's just kind of going through the motions with his students, not even showing who he is, and his students are making fun of him for not showing his camera because his camera's broken, kind of thing. And and you kind of get this undertone of like, it's not even an undertone; it's pretty like overt toward by the end. It's like, stop like pretending like you should doing what the thing society tells you to do and just do the thing you want to do. Like just because you don't fit in or just because you you have to get a good grade, it's like be honest with yourself and it'll make life less painful for yourself and others. Yeah. For others you care about. Um, yeah. I mean, and, uh, it, it was interesting because there's this moment, right. And it's kind of repeating when, you know, when he's ordering the pizza, right. Mm -hmm. He orders the same, I think of like two large pizzas was go off <laughs> like every night. It seems like, right. And it's the same delivery driver. Mm -hmm. And, um, this part broke my heart, man. That like when this came up, you know, as the film proceeds, it's like, you have these scenes and it's almost like at the end of each major scene or a uh, beat or something like that. Like closing act maybe. Yeah. The delivered guy comes in. It's like, it's this glimmer of hope. And he's like, you okay in there? Cause he's seclusive, right? He doesn't answer the door. He's like, money's in the mailbox. Just grab it and go. And it's like, at each time he comes, it's like more and more like, hi, my name's Dan or whatever his name is. Um, What's your name? Like, Charlie, like, okay, you doing okay? And it's like showing that someone that he doesn't know, a complete stranger, which I think is a vehicle for society, cares, right? And you're keeping oh, bills dude, and bills. That's good. And then finally, when he goes outside and to get the pizza and looks, and you see this delivery guy, and he looks at him, and he has this, like, scared look of disgust and kind of just, like, runs off. And I cannot tell you my heart tank. I was like, dude, come. I thought that was going to be like, okay, this guy's going to save himself. And that's when the spiral of overly indulging, he's eating himself, the scene we are just talking about. Um, but it's like, that's, that's what he's saying. People need to be honest. Cause if you're honest, you know what I mean? Like be real about how you really are as a person. It's like this delivery guy, he can't see you. So he's acting like this nice, caring person. And the second he knows he sees something, the judgment comes in. It's like, that's not, that's not genuine, is it? Right. Or like, how do you define being honest and genuineness? You can show compassion to someone you can't see or incapable of judging. And then the second you can look at someone or get to know them or whatever, the judgments come in and it's like, okay, you're withholding all these feelings and like putting this person down because of that, you know? It was, it was a hard scene that just the, the look. Yeah. You're like, and you've, and of course this is later on in the film to. So you have begun to empathize with the protagonist enough that when that happens, you're like, oh, <laughs> ow. Because <laughs> you know, you, too, it's like the slippery slope has been activated by this point. Like, you know, this decline is kind of inevitable and Charlie's not receptive to any sort of intervention available to him. Wonder if that would have been the thing to effectively save him. Um... Because that's the thing, again, that's, that's like, again, the slippery slope that you're saying, at that point, it sets him over the edge, right? And I'm like, I wonder if that guy would have said, hey, nice to see you, or something like that. And I was, I, I was hoping, and so bad. Uh, just a tiny glimmer of hope in that moment. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it really, I feel like it builds it up, like that's what's going to happen. And, and like we're talking, it's just, nope, nope, it's the same thing. You know, it's the reason why he keeps his camera off. 
It's the reason why he puts the money in the mailbox. The second he's like, okay, maybe I'm wrong. Let me peek my head up to go get this pizza. It's and like it backfires. Yeah. He's right. He's like, okay, well, I'm right. He's like, the way I look at myself is confirmed by society. He's like, I am garbage or equivalent to. Yeah, but it's not, it's even like, it's like a touch deeper than that. It's not just that the way that he sees himself is something that he doesn't want to see reflected in somebody else. It's that he doesn't want to see what he's done to himself at all. He wants to, he doesn't want to acknowledge this thing. And then to see somebody else acknowledge it in that way when he was hoping for something else is crushing. And, but at the, he gets through that part. And at the end, he's willing to hear the religious kids, him like, like declaration of what everybody sees him as. And then he handles that okay. Because at least that was, he was honest. It's like he reached a point as a character where he could, he could hear it. He's like, yeah, I am. Yeah, this is, this is what I've done to myself. Yes. And he's sort of at peace with it in a weird way before, of course, he passes away. Hmm. Yeah. And I feel like to me, it's how he looks on the outside is how he feels about himself internally. Hmm. Um, and so it's like those comments he's taking, like what he's doing to himself is that that's how, it, okay. So I'll repeat that, but what he's doing to himself is how he feels about himself because of the, the mistakes he's made leaving his family. And that is clearly a nice. Charlie's the name I looked it up, but he's clearly a nice person and yeah. by all means a good person. Right. But again, he was caught in this, uh, this feeling of like, there's, you know, he's, he's gay. So he's in a, you know, a uh, heterosexual relationship is clearly not fulfilling for him. And right? he was also religious at some point prior to the film. Exactly. And so dealing with those things and not wanting to be deemed a bad person, but then saying like, but I love this person and I can no longer deny it. And then uprooting his family. You can just imagine that ate away. Right. And then on top of that, the, um, the death of his, I think, I think his name was Alan of his lover. Yeah. I think, yeah, you're um, right. And feeling that guilt, like, oh, by me accepting this love that I've been repressing, that effectively in some ways, at least he feels killed the person I love. Because it was, you know, Alan commits suicide because he's in the religion. His, I think his dad or something, um, the head of this religion or this sect or something. And that just eats away at him. So he, you know, takes his life. So you have all these things. He just feels so bad about himself and he's just like expressing it externally. And I feel like all of that is almost a metaphor for essay that his daughter wrote that he keeps repeating. Probably should have pulled it up, but I forget exactly what it says, but essentially it's like how, um, she felt bad from, um, I forget his name, but the captain in Moby Dick, because it seemed like he was, he was so focused on this whale. And I think she even was talking about the writer as well, maybe, but they were so focused on this one thing that it was like. They were ignoring, they were doing that to ignore the trauma and like their struggles that they, as a captain, as you know, uh, Dickens, um, 
And it's like, it seemed like that's what he was doing this whole movie. He was ignoring the real problems and he was able to stuff his face to like repress the things. And on top of that, put almost all of his hopes in this, in the last week of his life into the daughter and saying like, I will do one good thing. I'm going to ignore my stuff. That doesn't matter. I just want to leave this world doing something I can be proud of. And he's so intrinsically focused on that, that dude, you're dying. You have the money, you're dying. That doesn't matter. It's going to my daughter. Mm-hmm. It's like he's, it's like he forgot that there can be value in living, even though he's fallen so far, so to speak. Like he's become this monster. So he views himself as a monster and that he, he thinks himself as irredeemable. And his only hope is that he can find meaning in the fact that his daughter is something that's like to be proud of. Right. And doesn't realize that there's value in just interact, like continued experience, even after falling so far. Like maybe you won't have a quality of life that you dream of, but you can still regain something had he spent some of the money to, you know, save his own life. But he's like beyond, like he has no frame of reference to be able to think like that at all. It's a strange thing. Like as I came to like him as a character, I began to simultaneously hate him and hate the girl because I was like, stop the girl, meaning the nurse that was Liz, I think her him. name was. Yeah. Yeah. Because she was continuing to give him food and stuff. And I was like, first off, stop fucking doing this to yourself because I like you and you're killing yourself and it's pissing me off. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then I would look at her and I was like, don't give him the fucking sandwich. You're enabling him. <laughs> I was like, what's wrong, wrong with you? <laughs> I, was getting, I was getting angry, dude, in the theater. <laughs> dude, you're just so spot on because like at the very end when it's like right toward or close to the end of the film, right? When she comes over, she's like, I got you two meatball sandwiches or whatever she got him. And I was like, really? Yeah. I was like, at that point, I was like, come on. Like, he's like right on the edge of being able to like break through in my mind. And I, and then she's like, I'll just give him more food. I'm like, this is not what we need right now. Less food, the better. <laughs> I'm like, is this revenge for, are you blaming him for killing your brother? Like, is that what this is? And you're just helping him eat himself to death? I was like, fuck off. It's like, I don't like you at all. <laughs> yeah. That was conflicting. I was like, man, I feel like she's a good person, but what are you doing? <laughs> like, when you, how are you going to be like, dude, you're killing yourself. Don't do this. Take care of yourself. But here's you the bucket of chicken. Her. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what? Yeah. At least make him walk for it, you know? Right. That's what was funny about the daughter because you, I think she asked for a sandwich and he's like, can I have one or something? And she's like, yeah, but you're only getting one. So like, you know what yeah. I mean? I was like, she was kind of no nonsense with things, you know, which I really like. I was going to say, we should elaborate on the daughter because the, the sequences of the daughter were really like intense, I would say. Mm. Yeah. But also like acting I, was, I don't know, like I, I like, I'm like super conflicted with her character. Like, is she a sociopath or did she, cause like he was said that she was like a good person, but the mother thought she was a devil, like totally like just kind of a shit human being, at least as far as social media went. And, uh. I don't know. I, I'm kind of, I'm, st I'm very conflicted internally of like, was she a decent person at, by the end? I, I think he saw himself in her. Mm. Well, there is a moment where he's looking at her 
Facebook, I think. And there's like a, he, he has, she has no friends. He notices like she has not seen no friends. And, uh, on one of her pictures, I think he sees a comment and says, uh, Dyke on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's alluding that she's gay as well. Um, I got a little confused because later on in the movie, the missionary kid and her are in the scene, it's like, it seems like she's flirting. And I was like, I don't, yeah. I think she's just putting on an act. I don't know if that's real. So I was a little confused, but I'm like, I, I think, I think who her character was is that he saw himself in her, but she just had a harder show, um, where because of what he did, he left, she felt abandoned, didn't have friends and you know, the strain with her relationship with her and her mother. She had this very hard show and she was kind of different. She was taking pictures on her social media of like roadkill or something like that animals or something. It's like, that's odd. okay. Norman Bates relax, but it's, <laughs> it's like, um, you know, that's, if you see, if you saw your child or your friend doing that, you would be like concerned. Look, <laughs> You'd be very concerned very quickly. I <laughs> and where she was brutally honest to the point where it's like, yeah. she's got an asshole. But what he saw is like, she's not wrong. And he saw it as, I think she cares deeply and has no filters. I'm gonna tell you the shit, like you're fucking up, but has no filter, has this hard show, but deeply cares. Um, and I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but that was, I think that was shown in what she did for the missionary at the end, after his reveal comes up, how she like went and located his parents and, um, Forget who told it was either the wife, his ex-wife, or um the friend told him. I forgot. It was the the wife. Um and she was like, she went and like told his parents and all that stuff and thought, and he's like, She found them? He did that? Or she did that? Like she cares. She did that for him. It seems like she was an asshole. Maybe she was doing it to fuck him over. Yeah, that's that's my thing. It's like, was she trying to do that like to fuck him over but it ended up being a good thing because she was just honest about his situation and then he's like well i get to go back home i'm not ostracized like i thought i'd be right mm. it's and, like a weird roundabout i guess and i think that's the compassion he wanted for himself for what he did when he was vilified like oh you abandoned your family homosexual all these things that made him feel like a bad person for just doing what he thought was right for himself he wanted to give that to his daughter who was more rough around the edges right but bottom it's the same thing was he giving do you think he was giving her a pass because she was so young so she doesn't know how to like use this like abrasive honesty i guess you'd call it in a, in a way that's not going to rub people the wrong way or give people rashes <laughs> because it's like because she also said she doesn't forget things. She's like a photographic memory or something like that. So she has like this really long memory so that when people say things to her, she can just kind of remember. Huh. And so if, oh. people, so if people are lying to her or tell her things, like they say one thing and then do another, it really sets her off in that honesty place. She, she, is, she plays the part of the truth in the story. But she's a photographic memory. So she every, like, she's like the objective eye watching everything. She's re she's re giving it to everybody without any sugar coating. It's all, here's what it is. She's like, she goes out of her way to play the part of the truth in some sense. She's, she doesn't, she doesn't fuck over the kid who's hiding from his parents and everything. Exactly. That could be a consequence. 
all she's doing is providing information, right? He's lying to his parents. He's hiding from all these people. He's doing all these things. I'm just going to shine light on it. That's all I'm going to do. Bang. And then something good happens as a result of it. And she does the same thing to the main character. She does the same thing all the, to, to everybody. Is she's just constantly telling them exactly what's going on, even if they don't want to fucking hear it. Even if it's, it would be a rude thing to do. And she, she, she is rude, <laughs> but it's like, it, the, it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter that it's rude. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's, oh man, that, you're totally right. I think you're spot on with her, her calling her the like embodiment of truth for this film. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think that was spot on. And him trying to save her. So like maintain that part. Like don't lose that. Mm. This essay you wrote when you were whatever. Eight seven or nine yes yeah, yeah I forget. was amazing because it was so honest you just hit something and now you're getting in that angsty grunt kind of like fuck everything where it's like you, you, she's repressing her honesty so it's like she's almost becoming society in a sense where it's like no she's doing the thing where like maybe she's going this way where someone else might pretend that they're nice like the delivery driver where she's the opposite yeah. where it's like she's angry but she's conforming. Well, I won't say what I really feel because it's stupid. I'm going to fail. Just can you write that essay for me? Right. Yeah. He's like, don't lose that. Don't lose that. That's an important, that's important. I think you totally nailed it with the comparing her to the delivery driver. It's like, she's heading in that direction, which is where the direction that everybody has gone, including the main character, which is that you just kind of go along, get along, whatever. And you don't say you're not honest. You're not being honest about what you feel, what your experience is, any of these things. And it's creating consequences. Don't, he's telling her, don't become the delivery driver where you're all pleasant and you're doing everything that everybody wants only for you to be, for that to turn out to be bullshit when, when push comes to shove, right? And it's like, she's also an, I think she's the anima, right? It's mm -hmm. and the anima is the part that asks you to develop. It's also kind of an idealized thing that you want. It's something that you want. And I think she embodies not only the truth, but it's the truth that she embodies that he had hoped for from himself when he looks back and regrets the fact that had he been honest about being gay in the first place, imagine how different things could have been. Imagine if he had been honest in a billion different ways with himself about his, the trauma and the depression, with other people about what he was feeling with his own daughter about their relationship and whether or not he could you know, talk to her and so on. It's like he sees in her everything that he had hoped he wished he would have done. And the thing that he wished he would have done was to be the truth, which she embodies. Mm. And it's like, you can even see that by the end of the film too, because at the, like everything's the worst climax, right? Like the, where it becomes the tragedy that the film I think is setting up from the very beginning. She decides that he's gonna, you know, he he gets angry. I I think it's right after the binge eating, or I, I forget exactly what the context was. But he decides to log on to his school platform again, and they're doing like the message boards where everyone's got to comment some bullshit. And then he's like, you know what, guys, fuck it. Like, be honest. Don't give me some bullshit. Don't give me like the can't answer. Just be honest. Tell me what you feel right here, right now about whatever. It doesn't need to have anything pertaining to these assignments. Just be honest with me for once and your peers. And then he like reads all of them. And then the class is like the next day. 
And he's like, all right, it's time for me to be honest with all of you since you guys were honest with me. Turns on his camera and you see all the reactions of the classmates. And I thought this is like really relevant in like today's world where everyone or mo most of us are reacting through things with screens, right? Like school is online. I mean, we're recording this online because we can't do this in person. It's like we all have these little squares or rectangles of things that we're, we're interacting with people and it's hard to get truth and honesty out of each other because there's distance. Um, but then he really like proves that you can still connect real, like in a real way with people, but you have to take the leap to do it. And then just like the, when they threw the camera across the room, I thought I just, the way they filmed that was just perfect. I just loved the like emotional high note of that. Yeah. Yeah. It was like the mic drop moment, I guess. <laughs> yeah, literally. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because he got fired for that. But effectively, like he was like, this is my last day. They're letting me go because of that. Some of you guys. Oh, you're right. I forgot he said that. Yeah. So it's like, it's like really beating that idea down. So I feel like we're, we're honing in. It's like this movie is about honesty, effectively. It's, you know what I mean? More so than the whale or just, you know, the obesity. I think that was just a way to. It's just a vehicle for it. Cross, right. Yeah. It makes the whale, that makes the whale the big thing that's obscuring the truth. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. It's, it's the, and it, the whale, so it's underneath the surface. It's what's beneath the surface. Right. And it's in whatever, and the way that they use that metaphor throughout the whole thing isn't, you'd think that it's tricking you into thinking that it's because he's fat, but it's not. <laughs> that it's, it's another one of these fucking things that they do with are like red herring. <laughs> We're not actually going that direction. Huh? It's the carrot, but, it's the carrot of the stick, but then it's like, it's blocking something that you should be paying attention to. Right. Right. So, okay. This is great. So it's the thing beneath the surface that obscures the truth. And that, and they say that that's what the movie is about because it's the title of the movie, but that itself is a red herring because the point of it is the truth itself. Right. <laughs> so they have, they, the, the whale, the title behaves as the whale that is obscuring the, the truth. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that's fucking smart. Dude. That's cool. <laughs> right. If they meant to do that, I mean, it, it, this is the thing with art is art. You don't mean to do it. You just write it and then you figure out what the fuck it meant 10 years later. <laughs> right. Like, why did I write that? I will say the, the, just as a little fun fact, I looked it up when you guys were talking. So the guy who wrote this is Samuel D. Hunter, but this was a play, uh, previously, I think in 2014, it came out. So yeah, it's just, it's one of those like, oh no, 2013, it won an award. Huh. Yeah. So it's been around for a little while, but just finally got adapted to screenplay. So I think that's why it feels so intimate and has that kind of like allure to it that feels way more like emotional that I think you get from like plays. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I feel like I like it. Not that I didn't like it initially, but I feel like just as we're unpacking, I'm realizing I'm like, wow, I like it a lot more. <laughs> I feel, yeah. I feel the same way. I'm like, as we're talking, I feel like we're, we're like clearing out the brush and I'm like, Oh, there's some cool shit in here. <laughs> yeah. I will tell you, by the end of the film, though, I was bawling my eyes out in the seat oh my by God. myself. Like, there was, like, f maybe five people in the theater when I was there. And I'm just, like, <laughs> just, like, totally <laughs> yeah, just ugly crying, like, trying to 
pull it together as the lights come. I'm like, I'm like, I definitely wasn't doing that. No, bro. I literally like leaned forward. I like lean forward at the, the height of it when he's, you know, he and his daughter are giving the back and forth. I like lean forward and I was like, I was like, dude, this is heavy. Yeah. And the, the way it just ends too, it's just like. The flash of light, bro. I was like, oh my God, why would you do that? But also perfect. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, like what movies usually do, they give you that resolution, right? So it's like, you see what happens and then like you have the winding down. It, you didn't wind down here. It just built no, no. and then ended and everyone's just like in their raw emotions. And like, you kind of just, this happened for me. You just like, everyone kind of looked at each other and like, <laughs> no one got up. It's <laughs> rolling. We all just like, I put like collectively the theater was like, <laughs> yeah. Like, just everyone a... went through an emotional roller coaster together. Like it's that shared experience of like, damn, we went through that, huh? Yeah. Mm. Did I, I, I went on a random day just by myself i was like i want to see this and i don't know people down here well enough to, to and and honestly i'd rather see it by myself because i kind of anticipated that i was going to get emotional i was like i don't know these people like that <laughs> so i was like I, i'm gonna i went and watch the movie by myself and it was not a packed theater there's like five people in the whole theater because it's like an afternoon it finishes the same thing, everybody just sits in their seats and I'm just like sitting there like, oh my God, I'm going to have to let the card scroll for a moment because I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm feeling it. Everybody <laughs> leaves the theater. Then I like walk out, I go back to my car and I was like, oh man. I was like, in my feelings, I was like, I ended up calling my dad and I was just like, hey, I'm just checking in. Just wow. seeing how you're doing. You know, like, I'm happy to talk to you. I just want to hear what your life is like. So I talked to him for like 30 minutes on the phone, just in the parking lot. That's before awesome. Before he went out and seen people. And I was like, oh, there it is. It's like, that's something real. See, that's, that's a real movie, is it? <laughs> you know, it's not, it, if I can forget about it, if I leave this witness with the same disposition as I came in with, then it's entertainment, but it does, it's not artwork, you know? Yeah. So I left there and I was like. I just want the people that I care about to know that I care about them. That's what I want. It's like, oh, so good. It felt very human. To me, it's like yeah. when like art works, when it makes you feel more like you're connected to other people or like the people you want to be in your life is like you want to be a force in other people's lives so that they like, like, you know, they, that you care about them and vice versa. Right. Like it's like that sense of presence that, you want what's best for other people rather than like being either cynical or just disconnected and being like, whatever happens, happens. See you later. You know, it's like, there's, there's so much of that, like aloof cynicism, I guess you'd call it, um, around in, in this world. And it's like, it's like this movie challenges those assumptions and says, maybe we shouldn't be like that. Like maybe we should be changing our disposition and being like turning to the people next to us that are the most important people in our lives and being like, Tell me what's going on. Like, not, but not just like the, like, how's the weather type conversation, but like, what's going on inside of you and what haven't we addressed? Yeah. What's the Wenzel experience right now? Yeah. What is that? <laughs> like, and it's like, I, I totally, it resonated with me because this is something I've been just trying to work on as I've grown older. It's just the ability not to, because I'm, I'm such an in, in that intellectual world and I like thinking and doing these things, 
often the intellect will crowd out whatever it is that's a genuine expression of whatever it is that I'm experiencing in that moment. And I'm trying to make it, I'm trying to get better at just letting whatever I happen to be feeling or whatever my impression is of an issue be, to let it, let myself say it. And then the encouraging thing about movies like this and films like this is that you realize that other people are seeing what you're seeing. Like my perpetual experience, especially the more I've like looked at like high level intellectual stuff, is I'm just constantly in this moment, I'm like, are you fucking seeing this? <laughs> that is my constant feeling. And I think it's like, I'm looking around and if I'm like looking for people, like, no, no one. That's why I'm like, oh, what the fuck? But, but then there, but then you watch a movie like this and it's like, oh yes, see, I'm like, I'm not alone in this. I'm not alone in this. Somebody else gets it. Somebody else is seeing what I'm seeing. And that is, that's the human connection. That's like, oh yes, not alone. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's really what it is, right? Like, even when you feel most alone, you can still find connection with something. Like, he was able to reconnect with his daughter and his estranged wife, who he ostensibly thought sh she hated him, but they still had an interaction interaction together that wasn't completely toxic. It was, you know, it was kind of on the edge, but still, like, it it was like because he made an an action to reach out to his daughter, sent this cascade of I mean, effectively, it caused him to grow, right? Like, it was this thing he was hiding from all these years that got him into this horrible state. And if he had just done it sooner, he might not have gotten to that state. Yeah. 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 That's the sad part. Yeah. Like, man, it's like just knowing that it's like this went on for so long, like the slow deterioration of this good person, like, yeah. like who... He made mistakes like everyone does, right? Everyone has. But he's a like he cared about people. He just didn't care about himself because he felt like he didn't deserve it, you know. And it's like the years that that would have taken because they showed a picture of him before the window, right? Mm -hmm. And it's yeah. like he was, you know. He, and there's like a flashback too, where they're like on the beach. Yeah, yeah. And it's like fuck, man. Like, however long I think ten years is what we keep saying. However I think long it was, was ten years. Yeah. Um, it's like, I know that wasn't shown in the movie, but even those, like, just thinking of that is depressing. Like, this is a long thing. This was a very slow process. A slow burn. Yeah. Yeah. It's a spot. It's like heavy and hopeful at the same time, which is the weirdest, like, I'm like sad, but also energized. It's like the strangest combination of feelings, like. It's like a paradox. Like, I, sh I feel like I shouldn't be, like, hopeful as, as I am, but it's like, it's some somehow I'm, ho I, like, empowered by this story because, like, it's like, there's almost a point where it's not that it's too late because doing it at all is what matters, not the fact that it's too late. It's like a messiah, almost. Mm. Sad, a martyr. Yeah. Mm. And it's tragic for him, but what he left... Right. It was hope. Right. It's like he put the breadcrumb trail for like his, maybe his wife, but mostly his daughter to be, to have some closure and maybe his friend Liz too, to have closure. Cause she was clearly like, she didn't want to deal with anything with the religious aspect. We haven't really touched on her stuff, but kind of tendential anyways. But like, she was also kind of hiding from her own demons in her own way and kind of using Charlie as a surrogate there. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's, and it, it's, it, it walks that line where it's like, is this a comedy and that it has a happy ending or a tragedy and that it has a sad one. And it's like right in the middle. <laughs> it's, like, it's, just like, it's like, which one is it? Both. Enjoy it. <laughs> like, you're so sad for him. And the fact that he went down that long road and that this thing was avoidable and that all of it in some sense needed to happen was the confidence or, or the courage to say the truth as you see it. Uh, and he didn't do that. And that resulted in his death ultimately. Yeah. And you see that happen and it isn't averted and the consequences come to bear. He reaps what his sows and all of this. Right. Um, and yet there's hope at the end anyway, because he does learn the lesson right at the end. And he gives it to his daughter who then has a happy ending. <laughs> like you get to see him pass the torch on the way it's like, yeah, it was a tragedy for him, but it's a comedy for her. And it's like, you get to just hang out right in that little spot. Yeah. There, so you're just mixed emotions right at the end. Just like, oh. Plus I think the way oh, they man. set that up too, where like she challenged him when she first met him again, like reintroduced herself. It's like, I need you to walk to me, like walk to the door. Otherwise I'm leaving. And then he tried to do it and just fell over in the first time. And then at the very end, he says, well, fuck it effectively and it's like i'm gonna go for it as she's like reading the, the letter or the, the the essay that she wrote the best essay he's ever ever read and it's like this poetic ending that's it's yeah it's bittersweet like it's just deeply touching and genuine and also like you couldn't be more proud of how much charlie's grown in like five days or whatever it's been it's like a, yeah. i think the movie takes over place like a week it's like Damn, like I wish this could have keep going because he's like made so much progress, but he's just like, you know, at the same time, it's there's no way to like roll back this clock or get extra time. Yeah. It's heavy. It's like, yeah. it's, I want to rewatch <laughs> it, but I'm like, I got to be ready. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. Uh, but yeah, this, this is dope because I, all of the, issues or whatever that I was like at the beginning of this conversation, as we've discussed it, I'm like, yeah, I don't care. <laughs> With everything that was well done, was so well done that the very minor, like stupid, like, well, if you, you can, you can pick apart anything if you try hard enough. Right. Uh, yeah. And it's like, it just doesn't matter. Like the point I think that we're getting at, and I, I wish, I wish we can like really get it from the horse's mouth and be like, just tell us exactly what you're thinking. <laughs> it was yeah. take some magic going out of it, right? Of art. Um but this this thing we're circling around is like this is just a good movie and it's so impactful that it sparked you to go call your dad. Like that's what that's amazing. Dude. <laughs> like that's and still like that's what art's supposed to do. Um Yeah. Yeah. I mean I'm I'm honestly really glad we, we waited to talk about this one to to have these raw yeah. thoughts like this because I I don't know if we would have got there if we would have just talked over just with, without the right setting because I think this film deserved it. And I think I will say too the the I saw a Instagram post Jordan I shared it to you, but Darren Aronofsky shared a Beeple art that he Beeple is like a digital artist. He d does like these really kind of like grotesque style of portraits or not portraits but just art pieces. Um, but Darren Aronofsky shared the piece and said, "I'm honored to have Beeple make this about my film, but also that." the film is not going to go to streaming anytime soon. 
which I think shows how deeply the creators behind this film really believe in the cinema of it, like we, we started with. Um, and I kind of want to just leave. I, I don't know what that says about the world of streaming, but I think it says something about what creators believe about set and setting when you are experiencing something. Um, because it, I think in if you watch this, it's on like a couch or something. I don't know if it would hit the same way. And I think yeah. just kind of going over like how we're talking about it here, I think that shows. Um, and I think that'll, we could use that as a jumping off point if there's any closing thoughts. Some of, I, I totally agree. I think some of the, there's, I, the, the point that, um, <clears throat> the Jordan that you made that you don't care about the things that were messed up with the film because it just doesn't matter in light of the things that were so well done. That is one, that is something that I would love it if these filmmakers would figure out because there, we're in this period where people are so concerned about these little details and these things, um, and, but they're, they're looking at the wrong thing. Like they're fixated over here and the true path, the right path is right over here. And if you just realize that if you moved for something sincere and you can nail that well, the other things just don't matter. But it requires a certain level of respect for what you're doing, right? There's a, you almost have to make the art itself sacred, but right? you have to hold it in high esteem and move for that no matter what, and then trust the process that comes afterward. And I think that when you do that, then because you've held it in this high esteem, you recognize, no, this isn't, this isn't a movie you're allowed to watch on the couch. It, it's like, no, I have more respect for the thing that we made than you and your boxers in a stained t-shirt uh, eating a fucking like burrito or something while watching them. Get off your ass, go to the movies, have the experience because you recognize that part of what makes the film isn't the, just the film, it's all the context surrounding the film, either the fact that you made that film in a certain point in time in our culture, and it's, a, it's not a commentary on that necessarily, but it's influenced by that. And so it can't help but reflect back to the culture what it is. And then also the context of watching the film, <laughs> of sitting down and that the film goer should have enough respect for the film to get off their ass, go to the thing, sit down, make an experience of it and enjoy it uh, in, on its own terms. 100%. Yeah. A part of that being that shared experience at the end. We all kind of were like, like the fact that all three of us could literally see this in three separate places and simultaneously need a moment as the credits rolled. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You've achieved something special in that, in, in the way you've constructed your film. Yeah. And you get that in the theater, that feeling of claustrophobia. You know, if you can pause it, get up, go to the bathroom, which, I mean, you can do that in the theater too. You can go to the bathroom. You're not pausing it, but you can go to the bathroom, but. You're still missing stuff though. That's the important yeah. thing. It's like the feeling of that you're in it. Like the theater is dark around you and it's like fixated on the screen. Hmm. And it's in this dark home. And it's like, as you, we were saying earlier, you only see what he sees. You only go where he goes. As to the experience, right? You're not going to get that same thing at home. Yeah. Um. So what this showed me, and I, I was, I'm guilty of this, is that I was always like, the theater experience for me is better when it's spectacle, right? And these art house ones, I typically like more at home. But seeing this, I'm like, no, there's something to be said about seeing a film like this with, in this setting. Yeah. Yeah. 
I think that uh, we've also discovered in the course of this conversation, a formula for having good conversations about movies. We all see them. Don't say a fucking word about it. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> no, no, no talking about it. Making your mind up until we get in here. Yeah. And then it's just, let's figure, let's just explore this thing. And there's like this like organic, emergent, interesting thing that occurs. Oh yeah. If we do this with every film that we, we want to talk about, this will be great. Yeah. This is, this is amazing. I'm so excited. And this is, uh, I mean, I'm hoping there's more films to come with, with this kind of thing. Um, it's, it's just a wild ride to be able to talk about these. And it, it, to me, it like really excites me about what is to come with like this film coming out at the end of 2022. It's like, well, what's, what else is in the works that's along the same lines, like intellectually or cinematography, you know, like that, just like the depth in filmmaking. Right. Because I feel like there is a Renaissance kind of bubbling underneath with people wanting to just do things differently than has been. Um, and I think this is a step toward that. I agree. Hell yeah. Well, we'll leave it at that one then. <laughs> I think we've said everything we could say at this one. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the podcast. And I really hope you enjoyed our deep dive here on The Whale. I just want to leave some with closing thoughts and pitch feeding curiosity to all of you. If you haven't watched any of my videos before, this is my passion project. This is something that I deeply care about is communicating ideas and with nuance and going as deep as we possibly can and hopefully extracting value from them. With that being said, since I've started doing more video and hopefully at a very high quality, um, I have now started a Patreon that people can choose to support. So basically... As we grow, I would like to continue to do more video, do more interesting things with video, and hire an editor. And because I do all of it right now by myself. And so it's how do I keep funding this thing so that I can keep growing it and keep getting better at it. So head over to the link in the description, or if you head to the banner, there's the link to Patreon, but it's patreon.com slash feeding curiosity. Realistically, that's not even necessary. You don't have to support monetarily at all. But if you find value in our content, and you believe in the message we put forward within the content, I would highly appreciate if you share it with a friend. Share it with someone, tell them all about it, and why it impacted you, or in whatever way, because that just helps. I hope all of you are getting value from the content we produce. The core assumption for me is always to provide more value than it would ever cost for you, the viewer, the listener, the reader. So, and as a one final note, you can find everything else that we do not just in video form, but you can also go to the website at feedingcuriosity.net. And uh, I just appreciate every second you spend with us. And uh, have a great day, and I'll see you all in the next video.